This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on Monday afternoon, June the 28th, 2021. Travis Ryer and Charlie Potter, both in recent weeks, managed to get away a little bit, spend some time on the East Coast. Charlie up in the Palmetto State. I was in the state of Florida with family vacationing. Always, though, always plugged in with you at Bama Online. Let's get started with you, though, Charlie. A trip to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, I understand. Yeah, the wife and I went up there for, I guess, a long weekend. Uh, Got down there Thursday night and left Monday morning. But uh, it's our five-year wedding anniversary. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess with with everything being shut down for a year, we usually like to do uh, kind of bigger trips and, you know, not dumping on Charleston or anything. But some of the things we had planned before that, Going to places and flying and getting rental cars is just so tough. So kind of kept it close, and this is our first time being there. I mean, we've been to South Carolina a bunch. I, I went to Myrtle Beach as a kid. I've, you know, of course, covered games up in Columbia, but first time there. And, you know, it was it was pretty good. Um, I think it was almost oversold to me, though, or oversold <laughs> to me. And, and I, uh, I, was, I, was I guilty of that? Because I chimed in on Charleston, I think. No, was I, think, I guilty of it? I think you were the most realistic because, like I told you, we stayed in Mount Pleasant because it's tough yeah. as hell to find a cheap place. That's uh, the pro move, though, if you're yeah. even just somewhat balling on a budget in the Charleston area. Mount Pleasant's fine, man. Nothing wrong with Mount Pleasant. Well, it's not even on a budget. It's just if you wanted to stay downtown and be able to walk around, um, you're, right. you're going to have to play, pay about 400 bucks well, a night. Exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. just, you know, especially when we were going for a little bit of longer stay, not a quick weekend. It, wasn't feasible. I mean, we, we had a good time. It's just, um, I think I said to you, we just, it, it's very similar to New Orleans. I know, you know, New Orleans has the grunge, the debauchery, but I guess we prefer that. So that's, that's how yeah, it is. Charleston's like, uh, it's great. Don't get me wrong. You're and if you want to, if you want to delve into culinary excellence, then certainly Charleston's a great place to do that. You can't go wrong with just about any meal. In Charleston, but likewise, you can do that in New Orleans, and there's just more stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess there's just to say it in a less professional way. There's more shit to New Orleans, <laughs> right? Yeah. New Orleans I mean, has more crap in its neck, so to in speak. Both, in both sense, yeah. And well, the thing is too, like uh, a really bad habit that we have is you know we wake up and just grind, grind, grind. Like we do, we try to get everything we can into a day. 
And uh, like when we're out of town, um, because, you know, a couple of the big trips we've done since we've gotten married, we went to California and kind of did just about everything you can do in California the first year we were married. And then uh, a couple years ago, we did Utah and, and Denver. We had friends in Denver, flew out there and then just kind of did all the national parks. But sun up to sun down, we're just, you know balls to the wall it's we try to squeeze as much in the day as we can and in charleston it was a it was a little more um it was a little more chill we could just kind of walk around and um you know see what there is to see you know go back to the hotel or take a nap if we wanted to that was nice i'll say that but um yeah it was just you know i give it solid b i don't know if you know that's something we'd go back to anytime soon but uh, i'm glad we did it i'm glad that you know we can check that one off the list yeah it's a cool area the tough thing with Charleston too in the summer is, as we talked about, it's hot. It can yep. be ex- especially hot, and I think the perception is, well, it's on the coast, so it's going to be comfortable. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's inland enough that you don't always benefit from the sea breeze, so it can get warm. Um, you don't really have access to the, the ocean, or you know, I'm sure every hotel has a pool, but that's not why you go to Charleston to hang out in the hotel pool. But yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Something else that we've seen here in the last week, Charlie, is this seemingly steady increase in the NBA draft stock for Josh Primo, most recently at the NBA draft combine. And when you talk about just the blue check draft analysts that are out there, it seemed like Josh resonated with a lot of those folks, especially given his age and where he's at and his development. What do you think the byproduct, the outcome of this last week has been in terms of Josh Primo's likelihood to return to the University of Alabama for a sophomore campaign? Yeah, I feel like just over the course of this process, ever since he announced that he was going to enter the draft without uh, hiring an agent or at least you know, one that wouldn't allow him to return to school. It seems like the buzz has just uh, gotten louder and louder for Josh Primo. And uh, yeah, like you said, you know, being at the combine up in Chicago, um, you know, he received rave reviews. I believe it was either Wednesday or Thursday of last week. Um, somebody even said that he might have had the best day of anyone uh, that was going through the drills, doing the scrimmages. And, um, you know, there was a lot of video of him and he looked good. And um, yeah, like you said, the the age for him, I think that's attractive for NBA teams. You can, you can have him in your organization longer because he is one of the youngest players in this draft. And, you know, a lot of the times teams, um, you know, they really take a flyer on a guy. They see the potential. It's a little different than in the NFL, especially from a, a first round standpoint. And just hearing from, from Josh, whenever he sat down with ESPN uh, on Friday, cause he shut it down. He didn't even work out on Friday. And I think that was maybe more indicative of, you know, his, I guess, increased level of confidence in his draft position. And, you know, he talked about how this has been a dream of his for a long time. He hasn't come out and outright said he's not coming back to school, but the way that he's talking. And again, the, the way that his trajectory is kind of trending upward, uh, it seems like that's less and less likely at this point. But you know, one of the things kind of stood out to me, and I know some of the people on our message board have pointed this out once I typed it up and, and posted it. You know, he, he talked about, um, you know, with him being able to be in this position right now while he's young, you know, he wants to be able to, to learn and he wants to be able to learn to be in a winning franchise, be a part of a winning team. And he's not going to be a guy that's going to be taken in the lottery 
but you know he he is you know generating enough buzz to, that he could slip into the first round. And the teams that are picking at the back end of the first round are the teams that are consistently making the playoffs. So maybe he's heard from teams uh, like that that are you're willing to take a flyer on him, and you know he's confident enough that he just shuts things down in the combine and and hangs his hat on what he's been able to do. But yeah, I mean it's not official yet but the way things are are kind of trending it seems like it's less and less likely that he's going to be back for his sophomore year yeah if i set the over under for the percentage of likelihood that he will be back at the university of alabama right now at say 30 and a half percent that he won't be back would you go over that or would you think the likelihood is even less yeah i mean i just and that's that's a that's a third really um i just i think for him i would probably go 80 20 with 80 being toward leaning maybe even more than that so i guess i'd go less um again like it's i i see the positives of him coming back and having another year in tuscaloosa um you know he could be a guy that works himself into uh, the lottery and gets more money i know that's something obviously that's advantageous for for everybody but the way that he was just talking about things is you know he, he wants to be in a in a um a successful organization a successful franchise one that's competing for championships and if that's his goal then you know where he's at right now and again the way that he's kind of trending it, it kind of makes sense for him to stick in there so um at this point i would almost be kind of surprised if he comes back so yeah I, I guess i would go under from that regard really smart by he and his people to send that narrative to that obviously he'd love to be a part of an organization that is in the championship hunt really from the outset of his nba career because that's the likelihood of where he's going to go right Twenty through the bottom of the draft, and that's where his age works to his benefit. If you're a team right now that is right in the mix for an NBA championship, and you're going to bring back a pretty set roster for the 2021-2022 season, you can stuff away an 18-year-old like Josh Primo with immense talent and not worry about whether or not he gives you a ton in his first season and you know, he can learn from established pros. I mean, put him in a place like Phoenix or like that boy. And you think about the future and you know what his role could be and learn from maybe a guy like Chris Paul and some others. Uh, you watch the Phoenix Suns right now. I think the biggest difference in all that is that Chris Paul has helped some of those younger players become complete pros. And that's the type of scenario where he would obviously benefit and his, his age, I guess, would work to his advantage. Yeah, I mean, just hearing this, it, it makes me depressed because uh, <laughs> you know, an Orlando he ain't going to Orlando. No, he, he ain't, he's uh, not. Uh, he's not and, getting his ears. All right, he's not. It's not happening. I've been. I've just been depressed. I, You'll I thought, get Penny Hardaway and like it. Right? I, I'm that's, not. That's, I'm not upset with that. I've said it before. Like at this point, I'll take fun uh, and some attention over boring, <laughs> which it seems like that's all the case. But the fact that you know Orlando has had the was tied for the best odds for the number one pick, and I wasn't sitting here jonesing for the number one pick. I know that's hard to come by. I it's, thought about you, Charlie. I really yeah. did. Landing at number five, you. it hurt. Eight, getting the eighth pick from the Bulls was great because otherwise that trade for uh, to send Vooch to Chicago would have been all for nothing. But getting five, I just as soon as it happened, NBA NBA don't want y'all to be great. That's nope. all it is, Charlie. You know well, that. I mean, 
you say that, but then the the top four teams, uh, two of them are Detroit and Cleveland. So I don't know <laughs> how I feel about that. But as soon as they announced, that, I turned the TV off, and the wife and I left, and I got a beer. Uh, so <laughs> having said that, though, uh, yes, I, I do think going to a team like Phoenix, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. He goes to a team, hell, like Milwaukee or someone that's uh, yeah. trying to compete for an NBA championship right now. He can go in and learn from some of these pros that would be very advantageous for him. So I think the, what they're saying, like you said, the camp, the message they're putting out there is smart. And for him to be able, so young and uh, still kind of raw and developing as a player for him to go to a team that, you know, has all stars that has uh, playoff uh, bursts in their future. Yeah. That would, that'd be good news for Josh Primo. So let's talk about Alabama men's basketball in 2021-22 if Josh Primo stays in the NBA draft. And we haven't done one of these since the news broke that James Rojas suffered an ACL tear, his second in a couple of years at Alabama. So not so much even just what it means from scholarship availability, but just player availability if Primo does stay in the draft. And Rojas, at best, is back in time for SEC play. Who are some of the guys that you think benefit from this on the existing roster? Yeah, I mean, the, the good news for Alabama is, um, well, of course, if you have a guy that goes and gets drafted in the first round, it helps with recruiting. You'd have back-to-back years where that's happened. Your natives and the staff can hang their hat on that. But they would be able to get down to 13 scholarship players because right now they're one over. So that ends that debate. Um, but then you do lose Rojas. I mean, he's still taking up a, a scholarship. And you know, they sound hopeful that he was going to be – that he could be back for, for SEC play. That will, of course, be too deep to be determined in terms of how he uh, goes about his rehab and everything. But, you know, losing Primo potentially in this hypothetical situation, I I mean, the first person I think of is a guy like Keon Ellis. Um, You know, we saw where Primo uh, had that injury there toward the end of the season, especially in the NCAA tournament. And uh, Keon Ellis really stepped up. Uh, You know, you bring in some guys like J.D. Davison and Amari Burnett. uh, I think their minutes would, would increase, of course. Uh, but yeah, the first person I thought of was Keon Ellis because they can play you know, both the two and the three kind of, uh, you know, natives can move these guys around. They can even potentially play the four, you know, if you're playing super small. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of guys that could, uh, see their minutes and, uh, involvement increase. And then you look at just from, you know, without Rojas, uh, there's, there's a lot of forwards left on the roster. You have, you know, Juwan Gary coming back, he was someone that saw uh, a lot of minutes uh, last season. Uh, Noah Gurley, I think, is going to be a, a huge part of this team you know, going into 2021. Um, you add some some new pieces in Bediaco, Alex Chiku should be healthy. You have young guys like Darius Miles and Keon Ambrose Hilton. So they can weather the storm there. But with Primo, um, you know, the, he's that long combo guard that really the NBA um, loves to see these days. And you're going to have guys like uh, Keon Ellis and, and Burnett that would probably take over there. But yeah, I mean, at the, the end of the day, you get your roster down to 13. That's of course, if nothing else happens from an attrition standpoint, and um, you feel good about a guy going in and potentially getting drafted in the first round, but you're going to have to guy step up, no doubt. Yeah. You think about it. If you're primo too, not that you would be challenged for minutes. If you, went back to Alabama, but looking ahead to next year's draft, you could be putting yourself in the same class then as a couple of your backcourt teammates, right? Javon Quinterly, uh, 
and J.D. Davison. So it's it, it just sort of speaks to what Nate Oates and the staff continue to do on the personnel acquisition front, Charlie, that maybe even just from within your own team, you could make life tougher on yourself a year from now uh, based on those guys being in next year's draft. No, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, Quinterly and, and Davidson, they're, they're guys that are more true point guards. Point they guards. Different yeah. positions, but they're, that's taking up spots. I mean, I know Primo, whenever he came to Alabama, you looked at some of the early projections for this year's draft. And, you know, when it was way too early, when you slapped that title on there, he was a guy that some guys had in the lottery. And, you know, I think that's some of the some projections We've seen for J.D. Davison, you know, coming in as a true freshman, as a as a five star prospect that's that's highly uh, regarded. You know, maybe he works in that same um, kind of trajectory and, and lands there too. So I mean, you're just you're jockeying for position. Um, they they do play different positions, but if Quinterly goes out and plays to the same level or even elevates his game, he's going to be in the mix for a guy that's you know one of the first guys off the board. Same thing for J.D. Davison. So yeah, that's a good point. I haven't really thought about that, but it could be something that plays into a factor of you know if you come back maybe you improve your stock but then you're just going to be competing with guys that you're playing alongside you know for for spots maybe in that lottery or at least in the first round next year yeah and even in that scenario primo has value uh maybe beyond a couple of guys because of the way he projects at multiple positions one through three you can kind of even see primo potentially you know, being able to contribute at, at those multiple positions at the next level. We're going to take a break here on the Bama Online Podcast. We come back, we're going to talk nicknames of the Nick Saban era at Alabama. Yeah, we know. The Kool-Aid McKinstry topic was hot a little while back, but we're going to revisit it, and we're going to run down some nicknames of note under Nick Saban as the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. That more. We'll also get into some case-making for the Alabama football team for another Heisman Trophy, uh, this one in 2021. We'll do all that and more when the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast. It is Monday, June the 28th. 2021 Travis Ryer alongside Charlie Potter longtime colleagues with you there at BamaOnline.com if you haven't already how about a subscription to the Bama Online podcast simple as a click or two absolutely free and if you don't mind we would really appreciate a rating and a review while you're there so Charlie it was a hot topic it is a slower news cycle for college football this time of year but the official change of Jaquincy McKinstry on Alabama's online roster at RollTide.com to Kool-Aid McKinstry became official here in the last couple of weeks, I guess. Uh, no real surprise there, or did that one, that one hit you a little different? Well, I will say when he was added, um, you know, I saw it and I texted a guy that usually 
makes the changes to the roster, kind of berating him of why isn't Kool-Aid listed as Kool-Aid. And he said he didn't want to be because, you know, a lot of times they ask these guys, you know, what do you want to be in the uh, listed on the roster? And, you know, most of the time they just say their first name. I think <laughs> I think it was actually Najee Harris that uh, was like, oh, I can I can be anything on the roster. And he's like, well, you know, it it depends. I think ever since HaHa Clint Dix came through, um, they've they've kind of, you know, been open to some things and i think Najee wanted to be listed as big Naj, uh and they said no to that one but kool-aid i mean whenever nick saban was speaking after national signing day he called jaquincy kool-aid so that seemed like the seal of approval of hey this is what we're going to call this guy for the next three to four years while he's in tuscaloosa and uh, it was a bit disappointing to see him initially listed on the roster just as jaquincy uh, but now, you know, in the summertime when they've uh, changed that, it's it's still Kool Aid. Now we've we've talked on this podcast before of how they change things on the roster. It gets pointed out or noticed by one of us, maybe publicized on Twitter or the message board, and then you can check back a couple hours later and it'll be changed back. <laughs> it, it hasn't been that way, so I can appreciate that uh, from UA, and and hopefully it'll stay that way. I'll, I will change it on twenty four seven Sports uh, Player Database when it's in the media guide and we should get that at sec media days next month. So I'm still holding my breath because like I said, they have a history of changing the roster, but selfishly I am pleased to see it on there because I was hoping that that would be something that would stick with him, you know, for his college career. Hey man, you got name image and likeness coming in. This is the perfect timing to go to yeah. Kool-Aid, isn't it? I mean, it Kool-Aid is. for crying out loud sponsors Kool-Aid. I, I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> That seems like a, a natural. I mean, you, you got all this NIL coming into play. Uh, if, if you got a nickname like that, you got to go. You got to go Facebook official with it. I would think. No, that's a good point. Um, and first of all, I know we're going to talk about just some nicknames from the the Nick Saban era. I mean, Alabama in general has had great nicknames, but Kool Aid's up there. I mean, he's oh, yeah. moved to no, the it scene, is. but it, it's up there. And um, well, and this, he goes by it. That's yeah. the that's the big difference, right? Yeah, and the fact that you, you saw the reaction on social media when somebody first caught it, uh, just everybody reacting to it, and you would see a bunch of people saying, "This is my new favorite player in college football." So yeah, whenever you bring about name, image, and likeness, if you can have someone, you know, in a commercial or on social media, you know, uh, just flashing your product around named Kool Aid, I mean, why wouldn't you want that? And it would be a no brainer for for. You know, Kool-Aid the drink to jump in there. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be that on the nose, but I would I would enjoy that if that were to happen. Yeah, you could have Kool-Aid McKinstry and then have Gatorade come in and it'd be <laughs> you know, Gatorade Bryce Young or Powerade somebody else. You know, you could just do all the aids, but absolutely, it's awesome. And you said it, we've had a run of some pretty good nicknames throughout the Nick Saban era. Uh, early on, I guess... And some of these we learn about, right, from Nick Saban himself in press conferences when he starts referring to players by nicknames that either he's come up with or, or they've had. Um, Holla McGee, uh, when you go back to Colin Peak and the 2009 National Championship team, that was one that was very early on. Peak, the Georgia Tech transfer, came into Alabama. He was on the, uh, I guess it was the MTV show. You probably remember this, Charlie. Yo, Mama. And he was he was a, a standout on that program, uh, Colin Peak, and uh, he was Holla McGee very early. I guess we've had a couple of Smitties now too, right? Andre Smith, I remember 
Nick Saban referring to Andre Smith as Smitty and Devontae? Uh, was he pretty much Smitty during his time at Alabama? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very rare that you would hear Nick Saban in a press conference setting or, you know, interview on TV or whatever refer to Devontae as Devontae. It was just always Smitty. And uh, everyone really uh, said that. And, of course, you know, you hear more about Smitty, um, you know, this past season. But it, it was always Smitty, whether it was Nick Saban, one of his teammates, uh, heck, even the assistant coaches. It was just always Smitty. And uh, that was one of the ones I wrote down. And one of the ones, too, that um, – I don't know how often he said it, but I know he referred to him as this. The one that that immediately I wrote down whenever you had mentioned this to me was Jolson Fowler, and uh, he has a one of my Absolutely. favorite names as Nudie. And I'm pretty sure Nick Saban has said that in a press conference, which is hilarious. <laughs> But yeah, that's a that's an all timer, and and most of these, you know, Nick Saban has said, um, you know, there's some guys that have nicknames that, you know, that doesn't come up. Maybe that's just between you know teammates or whatever. But yeah, Nudie is is definitely one I know I've heard in the press conference setting. And some and some of these we would hear or we've heard assistant coaches refer to players on the field in sort of a nickname fashion. I, Rashawn Evans, it seemed like Tasha Poy loved razor right mm-hmm. do you remember mm-hmm. that hearing that from tosh with rashad evans yeah and i mean heck back you know eons ago when we could go back to when we could go out to practice <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, that, outside linebackers i know people probably get sick of, of outside linebacker notes and videos and photos but that's just we are always so close to them and um yeah i mean tosh lapoy heck all, all of the outside linebacker coaches really have just been very vocal and yeah that was one that um, whether it was uh tosh lupoy i think even um you know jeremy pruitt you would hear him call him razor that was one that maybe wasn't as um it wasn't in more of a i guess professional setting with the mainstream you know, yeah. anything else but yeah on the football field just you know off the cuff that was what a lot of people referred to him as richard mulaney Came in as a grad transfer. Slotty Pippen. I like that one. Pretty good back in the day uh, for Richard Mullaney. Uh, Rolando McClain. I, I think Nick may have referred to him as Roe um, from time to time. Eddie Jackson. Pretty good nickname on him. Bojack, I believe, oh, yeah. was yeah, uh, yeah. Eddie. And and I think I remember Nick referring to Quinnen Williams as Q. Would I think that's how he would do it from time to time? He would, yeah. And um, you know, it's there's a lot of them that are just kind of variations of names, which I appreciate. Um, I mean, Smitty's one of those, um, and those are the, a lot of the ones that you hear. Yeah, Nick Saban would uh, refer to. I, I know. I think I've heard him say Roe. I've heard him say both. But mm-hmm. you with Quinnen Williams, uh, I've even missed it's not his his name, but just looking at the list and thinking of, of, of guys that he said their nicknames is Alphonse Taylor with Shank. Um, Shank. Yeah. And that's that's not that's not a variation of his name. I forget the origin of that one. But Nick Saban's thrown Shank around as well. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of these um, I think are popular. Some of them you never hear Nick Saban say, like, I don't think I've ever heard him call Deontay Bread Cornbread. Um, you know, uh, I don't think I've ever heard him call uh, another big guy, um, Terrence Cody. I don't know if I've ever heard him call him Mount Cody. Um, but those are names I think a lot of fans enjoy too. And some of this has evolved into social media handles, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Isaiah Bugs, Big Pooh, 
uh, Dante Hightower, Boom Tower, yeah. and a lot of people in the Northeast and New England. They that's that's how he's known up there. Zeus, um, that that's played a big role in this too, and kind of uh, designating nicknameish types uh, tags on a lot of these players. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy that I don't. I think we might have mentioned it off the cuff, but the the biggest one that it, it was, it kind of got the same attention as Kool Aid, and I believe, I mean, this was dating back to his days as recruit as Haha, and um, you know, that's a yeah. that's sort of a variation of his name. His name's Hishon, and um, you know, Nick Saban calls him Haha. Everybody calls him Haha. He, you know, from a from an NFL standpoint, I think he had some some merch that had Haha on it. So that one, I remember just watching, I believe it was the, the Under Armour game or whichever game he was in. And um, ever since then, it's just always been brought up as if his nickname and the origin of that. So um, I, I think that goes into play with what you were talking about with social media and everything like that. I mean, he is just haha now. I mean, you never hear anybody call him by his real name. And I guess if there's an assistant coach in the Nick Saban era who holds the belt for nickname, and or nicknames got to be Lane Kiffin, right? I mean, yeah. take your pick at this point, Lane train, uh, Joey, Joey Freshwater. Freshwater. Oh yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is too, like you just go back. I mean, Alabama football in general has great names. I mean, obviously everybody knows Paul Bear Bryant, but then you have guys like snake and biscuit. There's just so many great names mm-hmm. about this that, um, I mean, we could do a, probably a podcast series on it, but I, I love going back and, and digging up old nicknames. It was fun to just go back and like you forget some. Like uh, I don't know how many people referred to him as this, and this was before my days on the beat. But Jamie Christensen just calling him money. That's a great money. Name. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just I, I, I like going back and seeing some of these because you forget, and then you're like, oh yeah, I remember this. This was this is a really good nickname. Derrick Henry. El Tractor Cito. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> King Henry, too. I know that's a big King thing. King Henry. Now, wearing yeah. that crown after uh, back to back rushing titles. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun, no doubt. All right. We're going to get serious. Speaking of Derrick Henry and Heisman Trophy winners at the University of Alabama, we are going to make the case for Alabama winning yet another Heisman Trophy in 2021. Uh, you know, you think automatically, right, Charlie, about the quarterback position. I mean, you have to with the way the awards broken down throughout the years. And then lo and behold, last season, a wide receiver wins the Heisman Trophy from the University of Alabama in Devontae Smith. And you think about Bryce Young in all of this, but it's not like first year starters at Alabama here of late haven't made runs for the Heisman Trophy, I guess, really. Two out of the last three years, you've had first-year Alabama starters at quarterback who ended up being Heisman finalists. Yeah, I mean, with Tua in 2018, if, if he had stayed healthy, I think he would have been a potentially a Heisman winner. And you think about it, I mean, Alabama's won three Heisman trophies since 2009, and none of them have been at the quarterback position. I mean, every every other year, basically, since Mark Ingram's won the Heisman, it's been a quarterback and uh, Alabama players have really bucked that trend. But I think you know, the, the conversation starts, and it might even stop with, with Bryce Young just because of you know, there's so much they have to replace on the offensive side of the ball, whether it's Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Najee Harris. You lose 
you know, Miller Forstall, so many of those offensive linemen that, um, you know, it's going to take some time, I think, for these guys to, to get their feet wet, to get acclimated and things like that. But you look at some of the odds, I think he was at 13 to two at the last one I checked. That's the best of the Alabama players on the list. And there were four of them. But, um, you know, we've talked about it before. I think, you know, for this team to maybe not miss a step, I mean, he's going to have to come out guns blazing from game one. I know he has some talent around him, especially at running back. He has some talented tight ends. Some wide receivers has to step up. But Bryce Young has to play well. I think he can. He's talented. Obviously, the coaching staff have a lot of trust and, and faith and belief in him and what he can do uh, as the former number one player in the country. But he's a guy that, you know, he's he's going to carry a lot of the weight on his shoulders. And um, if he's able to live up to that hype, he's going to be a guy that's going to be in the conversation uh, at the end of the season. But, yeah, I mean, it, he's a guy I think – I think Alabama has some cases that are worth mentioning, but in terms of just this season, you know, things can always change. I don't know if anybody thought Devontae Smith would be in this uh, conversation either, but right now I think it starts and maybe stops with Bryce Young. What if Will Anderson just goes absolutely nuts? Obviously, it's extremely difficult, nearly impossible for a defensive right. player to win the Heisman Trophy, but for Will Anderson to be in the conversation as potentially a finalist, is that a scenario that that you think is even somewhat realistic? If he does what he did for the second half of the season, at least from a production standpoint and actually getting the quarterback on the ground for a full season, I think he can maybe get an invite to New York. I don't think that, um, I don't think he would necessarily win the Heisman unless he's a guy that, you know, just (laughs) scores a ton of non-offensive touchdowns, you know, has 15 sacks or something like that. And I'm, I'm not doubting him that he can't do that. He had what seven last year and all those came in the second half of the season. So, yep. um, and now you have a, a full slate, you have Mercer, Southern Miss, um, you know, all these teams on the schedule, New Mexico state where you can get two, three, four sacks in the game early on and then call it a day. So, um, I think he's someone that could potentially, you know, be invited as the the only defensive representative, but I, I still don't think we're at the point where a defensive player is going to win the Heisman, at least not in this era with the way that the, the offensive game has shifted. I guess something though that could work to John Mechie's advantage is that at least going into the season, you're going to feel like he's clearly your top target, which means he's going to get plenty of opportunities. We talk about big stages. Look, every week's a big stage. If you play at the University of Alabama right now, it's it's nice that you open with Miami. That'll be a very visible game. Now, you're going to have some other early season games where guys like DJ Ungalele of Clemson is going to see Georgia. And conversely with Georgia, you're going to have JT Daniels, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. Seems to be everyone's preseason pick. But what about Mechie? Uh, as far as production is concerned, do you like how things set up for him from that standpoint? Or do you think some of that could get wiped away by if he is productive? Well, that means Bryce Young's lighting it up pretty good. No, I think that he would be the number two guy for me. Uh, I know he and actually Jace McClellan are, uh, they have the same odds at 66 to one. Uh, Brian Robinson actually has a little bit better odds at 40 to one. But for me, I think just seeing what Devontae Smith did last year, and that was, you know, you had a healthy Jalen Waddle for a little bit, even though I think if Waddle stay healthy, I don't think Devontae Smith wins the Heisman. Uh, but both of those guys are gone. And you know, we've talked about it before ad nauseum at this point that receivers, the biggest question mark, in my opinion, 
for this team going into the offseason, at least from an offensive uh, standpoint. So he is really the only established piece that's coming in. You know, you have Slade Bolden, uh, who did a nice job stepping in for Waddle last year. Uh, Jameis Williams, everything I've heard is, you know, he's the real deal in, uh, you know, summer workouts and things like that. I think he's going to be a guy that plays a lot, but still, you know, he, he's not established like a, a John Mechie. He's played at Ohio State, but not in this system, not with Bryce Young. And uh, I think Mechie's just the, the clear number one receiver. I think he's going to lead uh, the team in, in basically every receiving category that it, he can this year. Receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. Uh, you know, he's going to be that top option. And um, I don't know if he can go out and put up Smitty-like numbers, but I think he's a guy that can – play well enough to be uh, you know, first-team All-American. And if he gets close, I think he could, at the very least, get an invite to New York. It's going to be interesting. Alabama, obviously, as a team, has more pressing interest right now, but fun to <laughs> sort of consider anyway, given that Alabama has had candidates, it seems like, on an annual basis for, I don't know, 10, 12 years now. So something that is, again, very interesting to consider. It's been a lot of fun, Charlie. I've enjoyed this one. It's good to get back together. It's been a while, so we needed to do this. We enjoyed doing it. We certainly appreciate everyone out there checking us out here on the BAM Online Podcast. Hey, Charlie, thanks a lot, man. No problem. This was good to, to kind of go around the, the table for a bunch of topics because – I mean, you know as well as I do. Right now, there's just not a lot <laughs> from a team perspective. Did we burn too many up? We may have burned well, too many up on one pod. Because, I mean, yeah. you got to think about that. What are we going to talk gonna, about next week? Next yeah. month's going to be pretty quiet. Uh, I know we have SEC media days to look forward to, but yeah. that's not till the middle of the month. So we might have, we'll have to think of some stuff to come up with. Maybe we'll rank the SEC coaches in terms of SEC media days uh, prowess. Okay. You know, guys, coaches in order that we maybe look most forward to, least forward to hearing from. I will say uh, this. Coming up. I don't know. I don't know if we'll be allowed to go every day because it sounds like they're going to put some restrictions on there. They actually wow. said kind of a not a rebuttal, but a revised version of the, the credential application because I've already applied for everything. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean, with it being in Hoover, I go every day. You know, you can get a lot of sure like stuff you're not expecting from that. So I don't know if, if we'll be able to be there every day. That would be kind of a bummer because I like that idea of thinking of, of who are the most entertaining coaches to hear from in that main media room. We'll see. We will absolutely see. But anyway, you can catch us each and every day. You got access to us every day at BamaOnline.com, the round table, the premium message board of choice, a great place to post up at BOL as well. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you again to tuning in to the Bama Online Podcast, and we'll catch you again real soon.